The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. This is Locally Entertaining. I'm Nathan Slower, and joining me today is Michigan author Brittany Cavallero. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Do doing all right. How's your week going? It's going good. Great. Well, it's uh, awesome to have you here. So uh, just to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about what got you interested in writing? So um, I've been um, a writer since I was a kid. It was always my favorite thing. Um, I was lucky enough when I was a teenager to win a scholarship to come to the Interlochen Arts Academy up here in Michigan um, to study creative writing. And then I just sort of kept going. Um, and that's actually where I'm teaching now is at Interlochen um, in the creative writing department. So Very that's nice. been really lovely. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience uh, as a creative writing teacher. Have you had any favorite memories uh, working with that program? Yeah, I mean, my students are just incredible. They're such serious writers, but they're also like wonderful high school students. They have this great sense of play. Um, I mean, really, the, the most fun thing for me has been watching them go on after um, interlocking to have these like fantastic careers in writing and publishing in the arts. I love it when I get to read one of my students' poems in a literary journal um, or I stumble across their work in the world. Sure, sure. And uh, you grew up in Michigan. Uh, tell us what, a little bit about your experience with that. And uh, did it have any influence on your writing? I actually didn't grow up in Michigan. Oh. I grew up um, in central Illinois um, in Springfield in the middle of a cornfield. Um, and uh, so when I came up to um, northern Michigan for high school, it was like the first time that I'd seen um, I think it was still like negative 20 degree wind chill and like deep snow and um, being in the great north woods was wonderful actually. Um, it definitely influenced my poetry. I started to think a lot about the landscape up here and the kinds of stories um, that I could set in a place like this. Um, I think, you know, between just the gorgeous woods and the lakes everywhere, it was a very different experience from where I grew up, even though both were in the Midwest. Sure. Do, do you enjoy the winter and the snow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do. I don't mind it at all. I don't like driving in it, but um, I love, you know, taking my dog for um, for walks um, out in the conservancy or uh, looking at the lake in winter. I mean, it's probably like cliche writer stuff, but it's also beautiful um, and it's definitely um, an inspiration for my writing. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into uh, talking a little bit about your writing. So before you're working on your latest work, uh, Muse, uh, you worked on the series um, Charlotte Holmes. Uh, could you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, that series and what, what got, got that interested for you? Yeah, of course. Um, so my Charlotte Holmes series starts with A Study in Charlotte, and it's a four-book series following the great-great-great-grandchildren of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson as they're at a boarding school solving mysteries. Um, I've always been a Sherlock Holmes fan. I have been since I was a little girl. Um, my grandfather gave this beautiful copy of the Holmes stories to my little brother because Holmes was for boys, uh, supposedly. But I stole it and I loved it. And I spent a lot of time thinking about why I loved it. Um, it kind of stayed with me into adulthood. Um, I loved that he was like this irascible genius. I loved that he didn't play by the rules. I loved Dr. Watson and his compassion. I loved their friendship. Um, and when I was in my 20s, um, in my PhD program in literature, I was 
teaching detective fiction to um, to undergraduates. Um, and as usual, I was teaching Holmes, I was teaching all of these books by like a diverse range of authors, both in terms of like racial identity and gender identity. But I realized that whenever we came across a genius uh, detective character in one of those books, he was always a man, always. And every student in the class I was teaching that semester was a girl in the honors college. And, you know, I, I just, I started thinking about it. Like why couldn't Holmes be a woman? Why couldn't he be a teenage girl? Um, the kind of person that in our society we give like the least amount of intellectual weight to. And then what if I made her the smartest girl in the room and have her know it? Um, I really wanted her to be kind of complex and, um, and have uh, that same kind of racing intelligence that Holmes had. And then I wanted to give her a boy best friend who thought that the best thing in the world was that his best female friend was a genius. Um, so that's where the uh, the impetus for that, that series came from. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, what was it like translating sort of that mystery genre into uh, a series uh, aimed kind of more towards a younger audience? Yeah, I mean, the thing about writing for young adults is that I don't actually change anything about the way that I write. Um, obviously, my characters are are a little bit younger. Um, they're teenagers. Uh, but I think teenagers can handle some really complex storytelling. So, um, you know, in the series, um, there are a series of murders that happen at their boarding school. They are framed for murder as these things happen. Um, hopefully not in real life, um, but definitely in fiction. Um, and then it kind of follows them as they square off against um, the Moriarty family who are very much alive and kicking in these books. So for me, it was really fun to take advantage of um, all the trappings of like teenage life, like driving to go get like midnight breakfast with your best friend and um, the indignities of having to share like a bathroom with your your dorm roommate, all of that stuff, um, and find ways that I could tie it into the murder plot. Um, there's just so many things that I remember from being a teenager, so many settings um, and so many um, situations that are so rife, not just for like, quote unquote, drama, but also for like dramatic tension and, um, and places where you can plant red herrings. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Nice, nice. Uh, so I want to talk about your uh, most recent novel, Muse. Uh, could you just give us a, a quick uh, summary of, of that story? Sure, yeah. Um, I wish I came up with this. This is not mine. This comes <laughs> from my publisher. But Muse imagines um, a, an America in 1893 that is a monarchy where science is king, magic might exist and one girl's touch has the power to grant men's wishes um so it's it's uh, you know a um funhouse mirror version of our world um it reflects it certainly in 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 particular ways but there are ways in which the america in muse is um dealing with its own really particular problems um you know, it's a book that's interested in invention and electricity. Nikola Tesla is a character. It's interested in power. It's interested in gender. Um, and yeah, I, I had a blast writing it. Absolutely. Um, so one thing I was that caught my attention when I was reading uh, some of the description of Muse is that uh, you work with a reimagined monarchy in the U.S. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about what it's like to take historical fact and maybe twist it a little and shape it into something uh, maybe different or different? than what we saw in our reality, our own reality. Yeah, of course. Um, 
you know, honestly, it was really fun because it is still America, um, but it's America where like one decision, um, one significant decision is different. And so in my book, um, this is based off real historical event, but George Washington was sent a letter by the army um, who uh, were not getting paid on time by Congress. And the army was like, listen, <laughs> Washington, and this is me really um, kind of paring this down, but they said, hey, we're pretty sure that we would get paid on time um, if you were king, right? If you were president for life instead of just being president um, for eight years. So we'll throw our weight behind that if that's something that you want in a real life. Washington wrote back and was like, no, I believe in democracy. Um, but I kept thinking about like all of the sort of uh, partisanship that we've been seeing in our country um, in the last few decades and wondering um, what it would be like if Washington was also concerned about that. Like, would he still believe in the democratic experiment? Um, and so in my book um, for that and for a number of other reasons, he says, yes, you know what? Fine, I will. I'll be king. I'll be president for life. Um, and everything sort of spirals out through there. So I knew that some things in this America would be the same, obviously, like the topography would be the same as some of the geography would be. Um, some of uh, some historical figures um, I could keep as they are. Um, Nikola Tesla in my book is pretty much the Nikola Tesla that we know from the world, real world, a little bit because he's just so like fantastical and interesting of a person that it made sense for him to exist in this other reality. Um, but also, you know, I got to do fun things like the Wright brothers um, who invented the airplane in my book are the Wright sisters um, who are racing against one of our, um, one of our main characters, Beatrix, um, to invent flight. So I got to make a lot of decisions like that. Um, the World's Fair is one of the major settings in this book. Um, and it was really fun thinking about, for example, all of the inventions that Tesla um, had plans for but never built. Um, and of course, in this book, I could steal from those and have some of those things exist in real life. So yeah, I, I just had a blast. I, I love doing research. And um, I felt sort of like I got to pick and choose the things that I found the most interesting about that time period. Um, and put them in a little bit of a blender. Sure. Well, you mentioned the World's Fair. Did you find any uh, fascinating anecdotes or tidbits that made made their way into the story or that you just personally found kind of interesting? Yeah, there's so much. I mean, I think a lot of people are really familiar with the 1893 World's Fair, partially because of the Eric Larson book, Devil in the White City, which has the World's Fair and then the serial killer who was working in Chicago around that time. Um, I'm from Chicago. Um, my family lives there now. Um, we moved when I was a teenager and um, I had spent a lot of time wandering downtown Chicago, not knowing how many of the buildings were originally erected for the World's Fair. So doing the research was really fun. Was, um, at least the hands-on stuff was very much in my own backyard. So, um, you know, I was really interested, for example, in um, the Palace of Fine Arts building, uh, which has now been turned into a museum. Um, a lot of those buildings that were built for the World's Fair were both built out of plaster. Um, they looked really amazing from the outside, but like a strong wind would blow them away. And after the fair, the city actually went back and built them out so that they looked like the buildings that they were. And if you go to any of the museums in Chicago, um, Field Museum, um, the Art Institute, a lot of those were buildings that were um, originally built for the World's Fair and housed exhibitions. Nice. Um, so. 
tell me a little bit about your research pro process. Like, it seems like there's so many uh, characters from history that you're kind of gleaning some information from, and, and you know, the World's Fair is obviously a major aspect. Um, how do you kind of take that and, you know, meld it into your story? Um, so I, I mean, one nice thing is that I was in training to be an academic, um, and I, I am a teacher, but I was really interested in research in my 20s during my PhD. And so um, I, I love like a big stack of history books and biographies. Um, I love going through and gleaning for facts. Um, it's a lot more fun than writing like an academic paper. Um, so what I tend to do is when I'm reading something, I will like flag passages that are interesting. Um, I type up um, bits and pieces that I feel like I could build on. And what I tend to do is like, just look for connections. Like, have I been really interested in, um, you know, the women's suffrage movement? Um, and uh, I was, but how is that something that I could play with in a world where America is a monarchy? What kind of rights would women be looking for there? And so um, a lot of it is like trying to connect what I am interested in, myself doing a lot of reading about and seeing how that kind of organically connects to the world that I've built, looking for where I can kind of So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a kind of a game of like connect the dots with yourself. Um, but I really, you know, um, I really enjoy it. Sure. So imagine you're talking to maybe one of your students who is interested in, you know, writing in this style themselves. Uh, where would you advise that they get started? Do you kind of start with, you know, building that world or, or do you kind of add in new research and, and thoughts as you go along and kind of throw you out your writing process? Yeah, that's funny that you ask that because I'm actually teaching a class called Writing the Novel um, right now where we're talking about a lot of this stuff. You know, I think you just have to start actually with the things that you like to read about. Those are going to be a lot of the time things that you like to write about. So if you're somebody who has found that like you love books set in World War II, maybe that's a setting for you. Um, if you find that you love books about female fighter pilots, maybe that's something that you want to also be writing and finding ways to connect a lot of your different interests, even if it's something like you love reading books that have a scene at an amusement park. Maybe there is a way to work that into a smaller part of your novel. Trying to find those things that, you know, really you feel like they fill you up creatively is a good place to start writing. And then from there, you know, making some decisions about your world, I think is really important. Knowing what like the broad contours of that are um, is important, but also, um, being willing to change, ultimately your story needs to take precedence. And so if you're really in love with like the fact that there are skyscrapers in your novel um, that is, you know, set in a time that didn't have skyscrapers, and then it turns out you can't make it work with the story or it's not an important thing, you just have to be willing to bend, I think. You have to be willing to um, to change your mind and let the book be a living, breathing thing. Absolutely. Um so right now, obviously, we're, we're in a very strange time with COVID-19 and, you know, you're out there uh, promoting your new book, uh, Muse. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what it's been like to do some of these virtual events and trying to get the word out there during kind of an unusual uh, period in our history? Yeah, I mean, on a really superficial level, I have to tell you that it's been really weird looking at my own face while I've been talking to people. I've really had to get used to that. That's the thing about Zoom, I think, is that you're always there, even if it's just in a tiny corner on the screen. But, you know, I miss a lot of things about doing in-person events. I really miss 
that feeling of personal connection. I miss signing books for my readers and getting to talk with them. Um, I miss getting to travel. Um, you know, I think it's small potatoes compared to what a lot of people have been dealing with in this pandemic. And I'm really, really grateful um, for what I do have. Um, but I am looking forward to being able to do some of that again when the world opens up. In terms of virtual events, I mean, there are benefits, obviously. Like, um, I think right now, I mean, I was somebody who grew up in a town where um, authors never came through because it was a small place. And so I didn't really ever get to um, go to a reading or go to an event. And now because things are available via Zoom, people can join from all over the world. And I think that's really cool. Um, and I really like the democratization of that. Um, so, you know, there are obvious trade-offs, but I know it's really easy to feel really disconnected right now, or like we're only connecting through a screen. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that sense of like in-person connection again. Sure. How have you personally dealt with it? Have you, I don't know, picked up any new hobbies or <laughs> ways to pass the time? A lot of reading. Um, <laughs> I play video games. I've been doing that. Um, my teaching keeps me pretty busy and so does my writing. Um, so yeah, I mean like something new during the pandemic. I finally kind of taught myself to bake. I feel like everybody did that. I didn't go the bread route. I can like make pretty good chocolate chip cookies now. It's like the extent of my skills, but I was pretty proud. Sure. Uh, well, uh, what what can people look forward to from you uh, in the in the coming months? Any you know events or um, kind of news updates that you'd like to highlight? Sure. Yeah, I'm doing an event um, on Facebook Live next week with the wonderful Raquel Marie, um, whose book um, Ophelia After All is coming out next year. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm going to be doing a panel for WonderCon. We're filming that this weekend ahead of time. Um, and so that should be really fun. Um, yeah, and I have some other stuff in the works too. I mean, the, the best place to, to check it out is on Instagram. My username is Skipping Stones, um, and I try to keep readers abreast of what I'm doing. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and learning more about your projects and uh, best of luck as you continue on this year. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, this has been Locally Entertaining. I'm Nathan Slower, and uh, see you next time. The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.